I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the people leading this revolution and to highlight the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop and implement safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. This podcast is brought to you by FEV. Check us out on LinkedIn or learn more at FEV.com. Today, I'm joined by David Ord, who is Head of Regulatory Affairs for the Americas at Lilium. If you aren't familiar, Lilium is a German company developing a revolutionary air taxi service. As David and I discussed in the episode, Lilium has recently announced that a brand new Vertiport will be constructed in Orlando, Florida as a major development in the U.S. for this new era of air mobility. If you've ever enjoyed the Jetsons or if you've been intrigued by the idea of flying cars, then I highly recommend that you give this a listen. Please enjoy my conversation with David Ord. Today I'm joined by David Ord. David, thank you uh, for coming on. Happy to be here. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, could you please get us started by introducing yourself and sharing a bit about what you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, name is David Ord. I am currently the head of regulatory affairs for Lilium. We are a German electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft manufacturer headquartered out of Munich, Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm here in the United States, live, live right outside of Washington, D.C. As far as what I'm working on, you know, I'm working on uh, a few things. It's a myriad of things, but primarily working through the various components and approvals needed, uh, including certifications that are going to be required in order to launch our, our operations and get entry into service here in the United States. Currently, that's our target is 2025. So we have a few components to fill, mm-hmm. including, you know, getting the aircraft certified here by the FAA in the United States, getting the operation certified as a part 135 operator, getting the various flight procedures in and out of the operating sites, getting the operating sites um, up and running, which we recently announced earlier this week, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first uh, Vertiport, actually the very first Vertiport, I believe, in the U.S., which will be in uh, Lake Nona region outside of Orlando. Uh, parallel to that, we have to get pilots qualified to operate the aircraft. So he or she will have a commercial pilot certificate and working through the various components of getting him or her through a training program to get them rated to fly the aircraft. And then the various other components, which is a laundry list. Um, obviously behind me is a, and, and beside me is a huge team of, of, of people working the various components. And it truly really is a team effort and, and, you know, looking at partners to, to develop this because you, you can't do it all. But um, primarily, yeah, there's a lot going on and, and, and with multiple agencies and, and both on the state level, the federal level, et cetera. But uh, the, the list ever grows, but it's, it's a fun challenge to say the least. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like it. And there's uh, many topics in there that I'm, I'm going to want to talk in more, more detail. I'm going to talk about yeah, Williams technology planned. Uh, yeah, the, this Vertiport that you mentioned, which is, is very exciting. Um, but I guess to start, the seems like an incredibly complex task here from the regulatory side. Can you can you talk a bit kind of what, what your your background is and experience in this space? Oh yeah, sure. So um, so I started flying when I was you know 16, learning how to fly out of Washington State. Been a pilot ever since. You know, commercial multi-engine rating. And then I kind of went into uh, airport management, did that for a little bit, but then kind of got hooked into um, 
kind of the uh, general aviation field and association works. I started out working for the Experimental Aircraft Association out in Oshkosh, learned a lot out there, uh, doing government affairs, regulatory affairs, and then most recently uh, worked at the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association here in Washington, D.C., leading uh, the regulatory affairs. And, and as part of that, you know, did uh, aircraft certification, so everything it takes to become an aircraft being certified, maintained, airworthiness directives, et cetera, worked a lot of things on, on airman certification. So what it takes to be a pilot, stay a pilot, be trained as a pilot, um, everything from UAS to environmental issues, fuel, uh, you know, look, working on the transition from a leaded based aviation fuel to an unleaded fuel, uh, new technology, you know, green technology, et cetera, and then also medical certification. And, and you know, while I was doing that, it, it, it was a very rewarding experience. Um, I think general aviation in the United States is, is something to be very proud of. I think we have the crown jewel of the world as, as far as general aviation. But, you know, I, I, I often felt like I was trying to preserve our past, trying to preserve, keep aircraft that are over 40 years old, you know, flying, you know, you know maintained, et cetera, um, you know, keeping pilots, you know, alive. I don't, I don't know if, you know, I have three young kids and looking at, you know, some of the aircraft that are out there to learn how to fly and they're not very exciting and new and novel. Yes. And so when, when Lilium approached me about this position, you know, it, it, you know, it got me really excited because now I start thinking of, you know, what is that next phase of aviation? Is it, is it, kissing, is it keeping these piston powered propeller-driven aircraft flying, which is great. And I hope that they fly for, for many years to come. But, but what's that next part of aviation? What's gonna refresh that fleet? Um, and, and you know, look at the technology out there that, that's being rolled into a lot of you know, our designs and other designs with, with autonomy, with ease of use, with electric propulsion. That got me excited. And, and mm -hmm. something that I, I thought, you know, to be out in front of, you know, aviation, you look at the history, there, there's key moments. And I, I think one of the most recent ones was the jet aviation, the, the, the era of the jet engine. And you look at what happened and, and the explosive growth from there. And I truly believe that the, 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 what we are on the precipice of with electric aviation and the electrification of aviation is gonna really enter a new dawn of aviation. Um, you know, with the safety, with the technology, with the no emissions, with the, the ability to fly quietly over areas that, you know, so we're not producing a lot of noise, mm -hmm. we're not producing any emissions, that, that's exciting. And so that's why I jumped, the, jumped on board and, and been with Williams since January of this year. And it's, you know, yes, it's a, it, we got some challenges ahead. Yes, we got some, some things to work through collaboratively with the agency, with the FAA. But uh, overall, it, it's gonna be, I believe, a very rewarding experience. And, and so far it has been. So, so first of all, I can somewhat re relate to in, in in several ways, but especially in the aviation um, space. So I, I had the, uh, the the pleasure of working on the seven eight seven shortly after it came out for for a few years. Uh, which you know, I, in the commercial space, exciting plane, composite body, wide wide body, uh, very very, uh, which was an awesome experience working for Boeing there. But my my quick question: when you mentioned general aviation, can you define that term real, term real quick? Yeah, so pretty much general aviation is everything but an airline. So airlines fly under what's called part 121. General aviation is pre essentially flown, you know, 
part 91, 135 is a little bit of the mix. It, it is for hire, but it's more on the on the charter side, on the air taxi side. But but you know, for, for me, GA is everything from a, a small business jet to a little 172 to an aircraft like a, a Kit Fox or a Sonics or or a Vans RV7 that somebody can build in their garage and, and go fly it and, and, and fly from, from all the way from Alaska to Florida to, uh, you know, and everywhere in between. And I think that's, that's something exciting. I've, I, I personally have flown, I grew up, you know, in Washington state, flew all around, the, around that state, flew, have had the pleasure of flying around a, a bunch of other places of this country. It, it, it is spectacular. Um, and, and I truly hope, you know, that, that more people would, would, would have that experience. The, the numbers are what they are. It, it's kind of been on a, on a, unfortunately, a kind of a decline year after year from, from people that are getting into aviation. But, but that's where I'm hoping, you know, this, this new type of aviation with this new technology, uh, new designs, um, yes. you know, could really maybe kind of be a catalyst for something new and, and really grow the industry. And, and you know, I, I think it definitely could be. And I'm excited to see that uh, kind of play out. So, yeah, so I'd like to now speak kind of specifically about Lilium's vision for for the future here. And so the term EV is thrown around, right? Electric vertical takeoff and landing um, aircraft, which from one perspective, I think of a an Osprey or a helicopter, right? As a as a VTOL, make it electric. What's the big deal? But there are, there are some significant impl implications here of of how. Your, Lilium's aircraft is very different from a helicopter, and the use is very different. Can you can you speak to some of those? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the, the the tilt rotor that you're talking about, like a like an Osprey, mm -hmm. I know um, Leonardo is currently certifying an aircraft that's a tilt rotor. It's an AW609, I believe, um, and those aircraft are going to be primarily certified as powered lift under the FAA system for. For EV tolls, um, what what and I, kind of the, the the crux of this was um, a few years ago um, the FAA revised what's what's called Part 23, which is the certification the aircraft certification standard for for normal normal category airplanes. And and when they did that, it was it was a it was a long effort. There was a certification process study, which then led into a aviation rulemaking committee which then made recommendations. And then you had the US Congress get involved, pushing the FAA to kind of put this forward. And, and what it did was it, it moved a very prescriptive certification standard on how to design and build an aircraft saying you must do this, this way, and that's not the only way. Hmm. And if you did it, it would be a very long and arduous process to do an issue paper, special condition, et cetera, to get it through the process because you don't meet that, that very prescriptive standard. The FAA wisely, after all that effort, said, okay, we're going to move Part 23 to, to a performance-based standard. And now you could have several means of compliances, including your own or an industry design standard through ASTM International or anyone else as far as the design organization. And what that did was, was allowed and really opened the floodgates to say to manufacturers and investors that say, okay, now... I have a pathway to, to build and certify an aircraft that might have new and novel, novel technology in it, like a electric engine, like something that takes off vertically and then flies horizontally on the wing. Mm -hmm. So, so now you have this, this, this space to kind of 
innovate in and you have that green light through and, and sort of an assurance by the FAA to say, here, if you, if you meet this level of performance, we will certify you using an accepted means of compliance. Uh, still, uh, still a process, still a long process, uh, a lot of validation, a lot of certification involved in there. But um, with that, that has really opened up the ability to innovate, not only for traditional fixed wing, but also new and novel things like EV tolls. Now, when you, when you think of EV tolls, there are many designs out there. If you look at, you know, there's, there's well over, I think, 200 right now in various stages. Um, you know, for us, we're more on the airplane side. Um, yes, we take off vertically and land vertically, but then our, 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 our engines, which are kind of in these, these flaps, will tilt. And then in route, in that in route phase of flight, we, we, were, we are essentially an airplane. Yeah, um, yeah it look, so looks like lift, an airplane flying. Exactly. So the, 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 the weight uh, or the, the lift is all generated by the wing, whereas you also, you also have other designs like volocopter, which are truly like quadcopters uh, yeah, or like a drone or like more a, than an exactly, airplane, right? exactly. So, so you kind of have that that mix. I, I, and what the FAA has indicated, and the route that that Loeing will be taking, is we will be using Part 23 as our certification basis. You know, because we're primarily an airplane, everything that that's out there with currently with the design standards through ASTM gets us about 80% there. So we it's, it's just a plug and play because they've already been accepted by the FAA. And then we will work out that that twenty percent on the back end. But but so we will be certified as an airplane. But you can call us an er, an airplane with vertical lift capability, essentially. Can you speak then about the uh, the Vertiport here, or if I'm if I'm saying that right? Um, what sure. what exactly is that, and what's what's the vision for the purpose that's going to serve? Yeah. So so we really and this is William. Um, we did we really wanted to partner with with sites and have operating sites that aren't necessarily going to conflict with this existing traffic. Um, if we landed and operated into a, an existing airport, be it a large airport like Orlando International, or even a small GA airport, uh, you are you are going to be conflicting with existing traffic. And, and the last thing we want to do is, is, is be a conflict, further adding to the workload to air traffic controllers, um, possibly slowing up existing traffic, slowing up throughput into those 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 uh, airports. And so what we really felt like, well, we want to be kind of close to these modes of transportation, but not on it. And so um, Tavistock, the, the developer, a great partner, very forward looking. Um, you know, it's been a long process about getting them on, uh, you know, as far as getting to this announcement, but uh, you know, really forward looking and saw that, that they have this, this development called Lake Nona and, and to have the ability to have a vertiport or an operating site for the Lilium jet there, which is going to serve as a flagship. Now you have the, the first mo node of a multi-node net network that's going to connect various parts of Florida um, and, and then eventually beyond. But initially you're looking at ability for, for the residents and people of Orlando to kind of go to this vertiport and then, you know, live where they want to live, but then go where they need to go for either work, pleasure, et cetera. So they can go up to Daytona in the morning, have a business meeting, come back, go down to Orlando, have another business meeting, come back to Orlando, pick up the wife and kids and go fly to uh, Tampa and have dinner and be back in time for, you know, for, for nighttime, which mm -hmm. is great. And that, that's kind of the, the vision. And, and it's something that we, we share with our partners 
And so obviously you got to have one place to start. And so like Nana, because this one's been in, in the works for a very long time, um, we made the announcement this week, which is very exciting. And is this seen as a replacement for, so so the US, for example, so we, we don't have the rail system like like you would in Europe, right? That, that easily moves people between um, between cities. Is this seen as a replacement for that, a supplement to the personal uh, car, passenger car type thing? a mix of everything like where where in the ecosystem do you see urban air mobility fitting in yeah so so for for Lomium, we are really going to be considered we don't necessarily consider ourselves an urban air mobility yeah, regional but, but i think right more on a regional air yeah. mobility and, and that's really key so so we don't really see ourselves operating uh, uh, flights you know less than you know 20 kilometers and but really connecting these these larger city hubs um, which then serves into that, that model of, of regional air mobility. And, and, you know, kind of with that, you know, there, there's a chance to kind of, you know, increase the infrastructure, increase a, a state, you know, almost moving into a third dimension. So, so if, you, if you're looking at a city that, that has infrastructure needs, uh, connectivity needs between mm -hmm. large cities, you you have options. Sure, you could you could build another lane of the highway. You could put down some rail and and do a do a you know railway system. Both of which are extraordinarily expensive. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you look at the cost in, involved in in getting you know some of these projects up and running, and it's 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 astronomical. Whereas you could you could partner with Lilium, we could put in an operating site in each one of those cities now move transportation to that third dimension into the, into the air, connect the cities, you know, and as we, as we densify and as we grow our fleets and our operations, you would have essentially a bullet train-like system for a fraction of the cost. And, and, and that to me should be something that's very attractive to mm -hmm. a state, to, to cities, and, and that's an option, that's a solution that Lilium really does provide. And I have to imagine the... So yeah, starting in Florida, but I have to imagine the Northeast and West Coast present uh, incredibly attractive use cases here, given the, the congestion. They do. Um, and, 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 you know, so obviously we, we've looked at a lot of places here in the United States. I know that, you know, other EV toll manufacturers and operators are doing the same. Mm -hmm. for, for us, Florida was attractive. Um, you know, what we are going to operate, and it's important to note, we will, from day one, we will have a certified aircraft um, under Part 23 by the FAA. Initially, it'll be certified by EASA, uh, but, but, you know, it'll be a validation and, and a concurrent certification by the FAA. It'll have a pilot on board. He or she will, like I said, have a commercial pilot on board, a commercial pilot certificate, and then it'll be flown under a Part 135 operating certificate. Um, you know, we're not looking to do any, any experimental, uh, you know, fights or, or anything here. So everything from day one will, will be highly certified, highly, you know, regulated, et cetera, which is good. And that, that in, we are providing a commercial service to a customer. And I think that that's a very important point. But, but with that, I mean, Florida was, had a lot of attractiveness from the difficulty to get from the West Coast to the East Coast, the difficulty to get, you know, from any of those lo locations to Orlando, everything in in between, et cetera. 
it just, it, it makes a whole lot of sense that, okay, now you have the ability to really, like I said, create that high speed nail rail network, like a bullet train, but at a fraction of cost. And because you ought to, you obviously have the demand. There, there's, there's, we've looked at the demand numbers. There's plenty of people traveling up and down each coast, left and right to the east and the west coast. So now that if we, if we have an ability to provide an alternative, which is not only green, but also cost effective and, and you know, at the speed and, and on demand that you need it, that to me is a great option. Because yes, you can, you know, jump on a, a, a little puddle jumper or a, a little regional airline and go from all the, a lot of these locations. You might have to go in between and do an intermediate stop. Mm-hmm. But now you're looking at, you know, arriving at the airport an hour ahead of time, going through TSA, going through all the baggage checks, getting on board. And so by the time you finally board the aircraft, the flight is a, is a fraction of the time needed to even get to the plane. Whereas Lilium, you can go directly to the, the vertiport, get out of your car, get in, jump into the plane essentially after you, you, know, you, you show your ticket and then be off on your way. That, that to me, the, the, the on-demand aspect of, of, of the regional air mobility is really attractive. And I think that's what's made you know, services like Lyft and Uber very attractive. It, it's, that, it's that ability to really serve a need in a timely and, and expedient way. And you mentioned cost effective. So, so certainly upfront up from an infrastructure cost, it's, yeah, as you mentioned, astronomically different uh, at, compared to putting in a, uh, putting in a, an extra lane or a, a, a trail or a rail setup. How about on a, on a per um, trip basis? And, and I imagine it's going to progress over time and the, the vision, but do you have a feel for, like, is this an, an affordable option in, in the near to midterm um, solution or, yeah. Yes, no, it, it is. And, and, and that's something that, you know, we really strive for. We, we do not want to be the, the, the aircraft for the rich and famous or the elite. We want to be an, uh, you know, uh, an, uh, an alternative, a mode of transportation that anyone can have. Uh, so, so, you know, our motto is that, you know, anyone can fly anywhere. And that's kind of the, the, a real, real key component of it. Um, you know, we are going to be, you know, shooting for initial operations to be similar to a taxi um, for any of these, these routes, um, even in, in the urban environment. And then obviously the, the, the time savings would be, you know, I think the attractive part of that. And then as, as we grow and redensify, uh, we, we will only see the numbers go down. But, but, you know, that is our goal. And I think we're on track to achieve it. And how about from a noise perspective? So if I, if I understand right, the, the Lilium jet has like 36 electric motors or, so, or something like that. I'm, yep. My understanding is that's a lot quieter than having one big one, right? It, but uh, yeah, how, how loud is this thing flying overhead? So, so noise is, very, is critical because obviously we, we want to be a friendly operator. We want to be a friendly neighbor um, because if we're going to be flying near uh, residents, near people, near property, uh, the last thing we want to be is a nuisance because yes, we want to provide a solution for them, but we don't also be a deterrent. And so, yeah, noise is critical. And, and that's where electric is, is real key. Uh, we will essentially be inaudible in cruise. Hmm. Um, obviously there, there's some noise for takeoff and landing just because of the, the power needed to operate the aircraft and, and lift it off and land. But, but as far as cruising is concerned, um, but, but, you know, those operations will be actually in that vertiport uh, environment. So, so that's, 
I think appropriate. To take off and land, yeah. Exactly. But then we will we will pretty quickly transition to horizontal flight and getting on wing. And once once we're there, then then it's like I said, pretty much inaudible in cruise. Then how about uh, the the efficiency question? So comparing aircraft to personal vehicle, I, I tend to think you waste some energy, waste some energy going up and down, which you don't have to do when you're when you're traveling on the surface. But at the same time, you you never have to stop. Um, so that theoretically seems like it'd be a, a more or similarly efficient mode as a personal passenger car. I don't know, train maybe is more effective than both. Do you, do you have numbers on total energy expenditure? So I, I don't have numbers, but I know that that, that we, we do have an internal report and we, we have looked at it mm-hmm. and the numbers are very, very attractive in our favor. Um, yeah, similar to cars. Um, but then, you know, a lot of cars that you see on the road are only going to have one or two passengers. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have four passengers on, on board. So, so if you look at the the per passenger uh, savings, I think, you know, it's an attractive mode of transportation. Uh, also very similar to, to, to rail. Um, but, but then, like I said, you don't have the, the infrastructure costs and, and needs to get something like a, a rail service in, in place. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's, it's exciting. So yeah, def- definitely a, a mode of transportation or a technology that's been in the mind, right. For since the Jetsons or, or before, and it's exciting to see some of this stuff uh, make, make some traction, hopefully be more commonplace here in the next few years. Let's hope. I mean, I think we have all, you know, I grew up watching the Jetsons. I, I don't know if you're old enough to watch to remember the Jetsons, but, but I did. And, and, you know, there's, there's always been this, 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 Oh, when, are, when is the flying car coming? When is it coming? And, and, you know, I think, you know, we are finally um, right on the edge of finally seeing it now, you know, to be clear, the William jet will not be a personal vehicle. Um, we, we will have a, a, like I said, a certificated operation. It'll be, uh, part certificate under, under part 135. So it'll essentially be a, an air charter uh, flown to the various highest standards uh, possible for, for aviation. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you are, you are finally seeing something that, you know, could eventually see flying overhead, not unlike the Jetsons. And then as we grow and, and as our partners kind of densify as well, um, you could see some of these, these corridors flying into our large uh, cities with with you know EV tolls flying and that 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 to me is just going to be a fantastic sight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'd like to uh, transition here to what I call a rapid fire round. A couple of more uh, more questions about about you personally. So the first one is a favorite book or books of yours. Is there anything that stands out that's been particularly impactful? That's a good question. Um, so, so I, I, I typically, you know, like to stick to World War II, I like, you know, a lot of history, okay. um, you know, Stephen Ambrose, something like that. Um, you know, I also, I, I, I love reading about aviation, um, read the, the, the Chuck Yeager and the Bob Hoover, uh, you know, biographies. But, but I, I will say, you know, right now with the, the nature of the world, and, and like I said, in the beginning, I got... Uh, I got three little kids here. I got two, you know, doing homeschooling on, on Zooms and, you know, obviously myself working from, from home down in the basement, like a lot of us right now, the, the best book that I can say is my favorite book is the one that I can sit down with my kids at night and yeah. read before they go to bed. So that's just that, that, yeah. that to me is that's invaluable time. And, and, you know, we all, we all read a lot and, and, and look at computer screens all day. So, so it's nice to kind of sit down and have that quiet moment and, and read a good story before they go to bed. Yeah, very cool. 
and the uh yeah and actually so i have a, a, a little kid on the way here in the next couple months which i'm, I'm excited oh, congratulations about. yeah thanks boy uh, boy or girl uh boy uh congratulations it, it's yeah. the best experience that i mean yes congratulations all around that, that's that's fantastic yeah definitely excited gonna, gonna be a change for sure uh, yeah so the next uh next question for you a, a hobby of yours so when you're not uh yeah, when you're not doing regulatory work and and working and thinking about aircraft, what uh, what's a hobby of yours? Well, my my hobbies used to be like flying, which I you know still I still do try to do every once in a while, but but uh, you know th- that's tough with kids, as you'll learn. Uh, yeah. You know, ho- hobbies get very very difficult. You know, I I used to golf as well, and and I'm hoping that when my boys get a little bit older, that then you know maybe we can go, you know, complete a foursome and we can go go out there and golf again, but. Uh, Right now, it's it's kind of just hanging out with the family. Uh, you know, times are tough, times are challenging, and so, um, you know, like to go hiking with the kids uh, here in Western Maryland. It's it's a beautiful area. You've got the Appalachian Trail just nearby, and uh, so yeah, it's it's nice to get out get outside, get some exercise, get some fresh air. You know, take the mask off every once in a while, and so that's kind of my hobby right now. Awesome. Then. How about for a uh, so a personal strength of yours? So so what? So as uh yeah in in your work or your your the rest of your life, what's what's something that you think you do well that uh, enables you to to have success in whatever you're doing? Something that something I I don't I think I do well, but but it's something that you know I I've enjoyed is is kind of bringing bringing a group together, be it, you know, an, an FAA industry kind of a stakeholder group and, 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 you know, where we all have different viewpoints on, on things. And, and it might be a contentious issue. It might, you know, you know, the FAA might be on one side of it, the industry on the other, but, but bringing those stakeholders together and, and trying to work out a solution, which we all agree on, and, you know, like I said, these, these times are tough. There's not a whole lot of agreement on anything, uh, anymore but um i've had the, the pleasure and the experience of of doing a couple of projects you know one on on looking at uh general aviation safety and coming and using a data-driven approach to kind of improve it mm-hmm. and, and you know after that it it it, it did markedly improve and and i think we we, we by, by working together we achieved that and, and obviously no accident is, is ever acceptable but um, there's always going to be risks out there, and how do we best manage those risks? And, and you know, that was a three-year effort, and, and I'm proud of the proud of the work, proud of the team that we put together, and, and proud of the product and the results that we got from that. Um, another one, most recently, was um, airman testing. So, so I, I currently still chair that that group uh, that's involved in revising all of the what we call airman certification standards. It's everything that you need to to know consider and then do so know what do you need to know to take the written exam what do you need to do during the the actual what kind of like the driver's test for flying what is it called your practical exam when you go up and you'll fly with an examiner and then what do you need to consider what what are the what are those what are those risk management elements that you need to really think about when you go flying and and you know we put together a, a pretty broad team under what's called the uh, the FAA's aviation rulemaking advisory committee and, and that has been a, a really long effort, but a great effort of improving the system. Because now, now pilots, uh, you know, and it's an integrated standard. It finally links the the written exam with your with your practical exam, so you understand why you're needing to learn these things 
and how it all relates to make you a safe, competent aviator. And, and that was a pretty contentious uh, issue prior to this working group being set up. But, but over the years, it has become a collaboration. It has become a true partnership where we all have a, a true interest in improving the system. And, and I believe it has, has also very much improved the way we train and, and ultimately certificate pilots. If you don't mind, I'd, I'd be curious to dig a, just a little deeper there. So, so the, sure. this underlying idea of, of being able to bring together potentially different um, ideas and stakeholders and try to get everyone working together towards a, a common goal. Do you have any thoughts or tips or anything you've learned along the way to, to make that process effective? Um, yeah. Um, communicate, you, you know, understand where the other people, what the other side's interests are, understand what your own interests are and, and be honest and, and, and establish, I mean, relationships are, are, you know, a large part of what we do mm-hmm. and, and having that relationship where you can have that open and honest uh, discussion is, is critical. And, and, you know, that to me has been, been very, very effective because then we understand where, where we're all coming from. We might not agree, but at least we understand when there's that mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously it, it's also how you treat people, Just, you know, treat people honestly, treat them with, with kindness, um, have, you know, have the ability to come in and, and you know, maybe, maybe work a hard issue um, and, and kind of iron it out, but then have the, you know, also the ability to go out and have some dinner afterwards and, and maybe a drink or two, which is nice. Um, so we'll see, but like, I wanted to just highlight on that, on that airman certification side though, because we have that system in place, which is great. Cause I don't think as, as we all scale, we're going to need a lot of pilots. Uh, and obviously there's already a pilot shortage at the major airlines. And we don't want to necessarily start taking some of that pipeline out because that's only going to exasperate the pilot shortage up on yep. the top. So for initial operations, you know, Lilium and possibly others, we're going to be looking at commercial pilots to, to, to initially start. But then how do we get pilots qualified and certificated, you know, from like maybe ab initio or day one? So, so how do I take, do I, can I create a standalone pilot certificate for somebody that's going to operate an EV tool, which is very technologically advanced? And, and maybe because it is so advanced and it has such autonomous systems in, involved, maybe you then don't need to go learn how to do stalls. Maybe you don't need to learn all of the various components of, of flying a, a traditional fixed wing aircraft. And maybe we can kind of take that body of, of skills and knowledge needed to fly a Cessna 152 in the traditional NAS but kind of break it down and deconstruct it. So what are the critical things to have this pilot be able to operate this Lilium jet? Knowing that the jet will maybe communicate on its own with some future air traffic control, knowing that it'll have vehicle to vehicle communication, knowing that it'll have fly by wire, which will essentially prevent him or her from ever crashing the thing. What then are the skills needed and and what does that airman certification standard look like and what that license look like. So maybe now that we have this group in place, we can create a system that has, okay, now we have ability to take somebody off the street right out of high school or, or whatever, college even, get him or her trained in a relatively condensed amount of time and then operate you know, an aircraft like an EV toll, which will be a, a decently paying job um, and something that you, know, you don't need to spend 
you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and going to a four-year, you know, college institution to go then then pay your dues flying for regional airlines. To me, that that's a very attractive thing and something that that I'm 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 looking forward to taking on as a challenge. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about the the pilot shortage and the importance there of being able to uh, to add to that pool. And it it also then if another quick tangent, if you don't mind, the uh, it it brings up the question in my mind. So you mentioned there's there's, there's other people exploring this space or the companies exploring this space to what to what degree do you see competition as a negative or a positive somewhere in between like how how much are we helping to grow all these different the different companies helping to grow awareness and acceptance of um yeah an ev tall type thing and then how much is it that they're all you're all fighting for a fixed pie uh, great question. And and so I think for initial operations, because, you know, one, the nation's big yeah. and there's just so many EV toll manufacturers out there um, that, that are going to actually, you know, cross the finish line. Let, let's admit it. It is a, it is a very expensive thing to design and certify and mm-hmm. ultimately get a, an EV toll out there. So it's going to take a large investment, um, which, you know, Lilium has been fortunate to kind of raise a good amount. And then, so we have the, 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 the amount needed to get there. But, you know, so you have only a few manufacturers that are that are going to probably, you know, certify the aircraft and get everything ready for approvals. And then you only have a, a few markets probably to start. And so we're all kind of picking those, those initial markets. Um, having said that, I think, you know, I, I see them as as real allies in this space. We are all working towards a common goal. Um, yes, we're going to compete eventually at some level, but but primarily at this stage, I really see us collaborating very well. I know a lot of the, the folks from the other manufacturers very well. I've, I've worked with a lot of them for years in, in other roles. And so, you know, we do communicate, we do talk about, you know, issues and, and we, we have a forum to do so. A lot of us are, are members of what's called the General Aviation Manufacturers Association, large association here in DC. And they've really stood up a lot of, of committees and subcommittees, of w- one of which I co-chair which is specific on EV toll, but then we have ones specific on infrastructure. We have ones that are looking at data. We have others that are looking at other components of, of, the, of the, the system that needed to be in place. And that really creates a venue for us as manufacturers to come together, come up with a, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a harmonized approach. And then we can use that uh, as a united solution for the agency, be it the FAA. So that's very effective. And, and we have um, next week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, a meeting, what's called the FAA's UAM Roundtable, which, which has us as manufacturers sitting around a table. This one will be virtual, of course, mm-hmm. but with all of the, the key leadership positions and managers of the FAA talking about EV toll, tar- talking about urban mobility, and talking about how do we as a community you know, create a strategic plan that's going to, you know, get these various components in place because we can't work it sequentially. We can't, you know, put all of our focus into certifying the aircraft and then start working on vertiports and then start working on the airman cert side and then working on the part 135. All of those streams really need to be working in parallel. And that's what makes us not only hard, but, but, but challenging and ultimately rewarding is you have a lot of these, these streams working in parallel that you know once that aircraft is certified, shortly thereafter, we're gonna have our operations certified, we're gonna have pilots that are trained and, and ready to go, 
So then we can actually enter into operations and entry into service and start, you know, actually operating this system, which is, which is going to be great. And, and yes, it's challenging. Yes, we have a, a, a large mountain to climb, but those are the best ones to do. And, and, and I look forward to it. I got my gear ready. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So David, this has been yeah, real, real pleasure talking a lot, uh, very interesting topic. I'm, I'm excited to see what Lilium's doing over the next, uh, however long I'll, I'll definitely be following along. Um, just to, to close, if you wouldn't mind, could you, so where's the best place if someone wanted to follow, learn more about you, um, learn more about what Lilium's doing or whatever, are there any resources you would send websites, social media, et cetera, you would send people to? Sure. Uh, so, so Lilium, uh, by all means, look us up online. Uh, you subscribe to our, our, I'm sure we have all the various feeds on social, uh, on social media. So, so you can go to Lilium.com. You can, you, you can subscribe to our, 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 you know, Twitter, our, our Facebook. I'm sure we have all of the various other ones. Um, we also have a, a nice news uh, portion of our website where you can read. We have some blogs out there, which are great. Um, we have one that, that was focused on regional air mobility. Uh, we did one on the kind of the regulatory aspect domain of that, and, and we're going to continue that cadence. So, so we encourage people to, to check out our website. Um, as far as myself, probably the best site, um, not really, I don't really have a social media presence. So, so you can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, the nice thing about having a unique name of, of ORD, uh, two O's RD is, is that there's not very many of us. So I think I'm the only one out there. So look me up on LinkedIn and, and look forward to connecting with anyone. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, David. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Brad. I really appreciate it as well. The Future of Mobility podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. If you want to learn more or get in contact, share feedback or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick. Thanks for listening.